Hi, this is Dr. Randy Bach, and today's September 14, 2022, and I'm with you for a coronavirus conversation. Um, here we are in 2022, and we're still talking about coronavirus. Uh, not my fault. Don't blame me. Um, there have been a lot of uh, things set in, in kind of in power and place uh, that are rolling along a little bit like a flywheel. Um, it has its own, you know, kind of has power to begin with. You have to put it in, but then it has a lot of excess power to run off. Um, what's motivating uh, COVID-19 in the news? Well, I mean, there's not a lot of it going around. Um, and I think we all can see that with our own eyes. Uh, we're all survivors, if you're watching this, unless you're watching it from heavens above. Um, and so we miraculously have all come through this uh, influenza-like illness intact. Um, and, and thank God for that. But I was, uh, and speaking of God, I was recently uh, at two different uh, religious events. Uh, I am uh, uh, Jewish, and I was at a, a bar mitzvah uh, for a, a beloved relative, and it was out on the West Coast, and it's a pretty tony uh, neighborhood, a nice, uh, wealthy area, uh, Southern California, and uh, the synagogue reflects that. It's a beautiful place, uh, a large sanctuary, probably uh, 15, 20-foot high ceilings, a lot of room, space for everybody and a huge function hall. Um, and similarly, I was at um, a memorial service for my late mother-in-law at a Catholic church in a working class um, neighborhood uh, outside of Portland, Maine, uh, kind of a mill town. Uh, probably the mill is not there any longer. Um, and uh, maybe equal size uh, attendance, uh, skewed much older for the memorial service because a lot of the um, just locals were there wasn't you know, really just our contingent. It was a, a mass. And uh, so there were some, you know, members of our uh, extended family, my wife's about, you know, 15 or 20 perhaps, but about 200 people overall and, and probably similar numbers for the synagogue. Now, the difference is that uh, at the uh, Catholic church and probably a little bit larger uh, ceilings and whatnot, um, there was effectively nobody masked. Um, I've looked at the numbers. Uh, there's been no outbreak of, uh, uh, you know, plague-like illness up at Portland as a result um, for that mass in any uh, recently uh, past or present, and uh, neither in, in Southern California around where this was. Um, but at, at the synagogue, uh, everyone was required to be masked. This is uh, at, at a date in September 2022. And uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> I have to, you know, kind of be a man of my words, and um, this did not um, you know, bring uh, harmony in my immediate family and, and extended family as well. And I apologize to all those uh, concerned and, and um, affected by my uh, brazen not wearing a mask. Um, I was approached by uh, various of the, uh, how would you call them, um, you know, helpers at the synagogue, including the rabbi at one point. He uh, came down from the uh, BIMA, the, the um, podium, at a, a moment when somebody else was was speaking uh, to uh, ask me specifically not to wear a mask. And he hadn't been wearing a mask and everybody else was at the um, uh, the uh, main stage not wearing a mask and often, you know, close together, uh, three or four or five people uh, saying prayers uh, conjointly, uh, not wearing masks. And this is after a time when we're all at hotel and um, meals and so forth, not wearing masks and in the waiting area, not wearing masks. Um, and I understand some people might want to continue to wear masks, uh, so be it, fine. Um, but I 
he said, would you please wear a mask? I said, well, you're not wearing one. He says, well, I'm not near anybody. I said, I'm not near anybody either. I purposely sat at an extreme position and I moved even further back as a result of this conversation. So I sat probably a good 20, 30 yards away from anybody, or maybe not yards. Uh, we'll, we'll keep with a conservative 15 yards uh, from anybody. And, uh, and I, even so, I, I got you know, approached by others uh, during the, the time. There were a lot of people doing the, the kind of chin bra version of the mask. They were uh, obeying this uh, kind of in the absence. Um, and uh, you know, I'd say maybe a good third. And a lot of people looked back at me. And when they saw me, they smiled and they took their masks off. Um, and they got approached and so forth. So it was kind of a funny instance. Um, you know, it was uh, it was pretty orthodox. I mean, not the synagogue wasn't reform, but they were they had uh, you know kind of a true belief in in something that I think is not the exact right divinity um, at the moment. Um, how do I know this is a belief system? Because uh, very promptly after the service, which went on for about you know an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, we were in the adjacent reception hall, same pretty much configuration, architecture, uh, ceiling height, and so forth. And uh, there was food. And so people uh, obviously have a hard time getting food in through their mask. And uh, with one you know, small family's rare exception, I'm going to come to them, um, it was uh, uniformly uh, masks were gone. And so everyone's hanging out and conversing and chatting in very close quarters and at each other, which didn't happen uh, during the services when there was really only one person at most, maybe two or three people chatting at any given moment. Um, and I guess occasionally now you're singing along, but but it's not at each other as it is, you know, during conversation, people have, uh, you know, coffee or whatever in their hands and they're talking to each other and so forth. Same same exact circumstance. Eventually the rabbi uh, showed up and I, I, I didn't want to, you know, bring this kind of political tint uh, into, the, um, or into the discussion. Uh, but I had spoken with uh, one of his assistants, and he said, "Look, uh, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. But our synagogue, we, you know, these are doctors who made this rule, and we have to abide by the rule, and we're doing the rule. And no harm, no foul. Carry on, and so forth. Um, and I, you know, maybe I'll send a letter to the rabbi later on. But I think this is actually divisive. Um, I, I, you know, the church attendance, um, you know, it, it's it's always a tenuous thing these days. Uh, you know, and I." include synagogues and mosques and so forth, you know, people uh, are kind of moving away from religion. And I think they've done a, a fair amount of that extra during the uh, enforced lockdowns and divisions and, and isolation. And I don't think it's really helpful to our society. And we'll come to that. Well, we can just mention very briefly, there's been a huge jump in the diseases of despair. And right now we're having a jump in diseases of unknown cause. Um, the life expectancy has gone down. Uh, in the United States for the first time in, in a long time. I think it went down slightly during the uh, opioid epidemic. That was young people, but now it's kind of going down across the board. And this is not really an excellent thing. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I can only give, you know, speculation as far as the reason. I'm going to probably spare you from that. But um, I, I come back to that one family. So uh, there, you know, David Hogg, uh, who's become a political activist after uh, one of the Florida school shootings at which he actually was not there, but he was a high school student. He's been to Harvard and he uh, it's HOGG and he's been out and about um, at, I think he spoke at the Democrat convention and whatnot. Uh, he's, he said he wears a mask, mask all the time because he never wants to be associated with, you know, for any possibility with somebody who's not, you know, of the left. And I think there is a little bit of, you know, kind of red, uh, what is it? Um, uh, the red badge of courage 
uh, aspect or, a, you know, a scarlet letter or whatever, you know, a signifier um, of what people's po politics are uh, rather than real, a true health indicator that people are at risk. But as far as consistency, there was one uh, family um, and uh, the kids are in their 20s, I guess, and parents probably in their 50s and 60s um, that continued to wear masks throughout. And they actually took food, but they had it outside. The weather was good enough and they had their meal outdoors. They took their mask off and they came back with the mask on. And so I actually applaud them for having the consistency of wearing the mask in the sanctuary and then wearing the reception hall. Although uh, later on that evening, uh, they were around the piano and at closer quarters than at, at lunch and nobody's wearing a mask. People are singing and so forth. So it, it just seems kind of a contrivance, a, a conveyance, a convenience. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have that much weight. Um, so I'm going to kind of move along from personal um, uh, uh, stories to more perhaps general ones. Now, let's see what I can come up with the magic mystery internet machine today. Um, let's see what we have. Uh, well, so this is, this is a, a subject near and dear to my heart. Like, what are we actually suffering? I mean, people call it COVID-19. There's an article. Uh, you can see it first, it hasn't been published yet, uh, Corona 22, um, RIP COVID-19, and whatever you want to call it, it's really a common cold. And I got I got this chart here uh, from an article, I'm going to reference it, uh, where did Omicron come from? Uh, the high, highly transmissible variant emerged with a host of unusual mutations. Now, science are trying to figure out how it evolved. Well, it apparently didn't evolve from COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. This is from Nature magazine. And... Um, this is the spread of Omicron. It's probably December originated, I believe, in South Africa. Um, and uh, so we go by color. At any rate, um, actually, the article here, I apologize. This, this is the article it's from. This is actually from a different journal, a smaller journal, the Journal of Genetic Genomics. Um, and they believe that there was a, a mouse um, origin of the uh, what they call, this is a misnomer, SARS-CoV-2 um, Omicron variant. It's actually not SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant. It is actually uh, just a regular random common cold. Um, and how do we know that? Well, the chart that I reference is all the way down here. Uh, it's this one. You kind of have to blow it up a lot. And I, I do that over here in my um, version. It basically, the, um, this is the whole genome number of uh, mutations from the ancestral so in, in 2020, uh, there were, you know, pretty much SARS-CoV-2 is this. And these um, are the second wave, which are, you know, a little bit less related. That's why the, the vaccine against this, which we're still handing out, didn't really work as well against these. And, and, and it's not going to work at all against this one because this one is not even closely related at all to the second wave. It's not a third wave. It's just a, a coronavirus. And I've mentioned many times before that, um, uh, coronavirus is, you know, has always been the second most common cause of the common cold. Uh, where did I, I have a link to that. Um, I guess this picture will do for now. Um, oops, I can't make it bigger right off the bat. Um, maybe I can make it bigger like this. Um, oops, too big. Here it is. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, okay. This is not going to really work. Um, okay. So let's, let's kind of make make undo that you just kind of have to look at this basically these are the various coronavirus causes and as far as unknown is unknown over here as far as named causes rhinovirus 
and coronavirus. And this has always been the case. It's from a textbook from 2017. So what we're having right now, and I've repeated myself, is, is basically a common cold, and we're acting as if it's COVID-19. So the people who are wearing masks um, are mis misinformed, and I can't really convince them. I'm not going to. I didn't try. Um, but they are, are working under the presumption that, that they have um, this one here, ancestral, which is you know significantly more dangerous than what we have up here, Omicron's common cold. Uh, how do we know that? Well, I, I took some um, you know screen captures. Um, let me just see if I can go up one. This is from um, an actuary in the UK uh, with uh, an interview with Freddie Sayers of unheard.com. I can put the link on later. Uh, number of deaths registered by week, England and Wales. So you can see here, this is this is the pandemic. This is SARS-CoV-2, where there were excess deaths. And um, uh, and what you can see uh, over here as well um, is uh, excess deaths in the uh, second wave. Uh, but what you're not see really seeing is anything much in the way of consistent excess deaths ever since. Um, and so Omicron common cold is over here in this realm from uh, uh, 20, um, you know, kind of like early 2022 onward. And there's nearly not much going on. Uh, there are always going to be waves um, when influenza-like illnesses come along uh, of more um, uh, deaths. So there's always going to be some, as you can see here, the normal uh, rate goes up periodically. And so you're going to see some uh, kind of wave-like form with winter being worse and so forth. But we're not yet really seeing anything going on right now. So this is common cold variant. Um, and there's not much really uh, about which to discuss. Uh, they are apparently having, in very recent times, some excess deaths in general uh, in the UK. And those are the minor kind of blue marks uh, that you see. But they're not COVID-related. So these little extra blue parts over here, um, they're seeing slight ex increase in death rate. It's a hard thing to measure. It's hard to know whether it's statistically significant. Excuse me. Um, but they, the actuary uh, basically you know, divvied them out, divided them out, and found that there was a non-COVID excess of these various illnesses that are causing the bulk of it, whether it's heart failure, ischemic heart disease, diabetes, circulatory, so forth. These are the non-COVID excess numbers of illnesses, and they total in the tens of thousands here, the non-COVID excess. So I think overall, these numbers total out to about 15,000. I'm not sure what the period of time was uh, for this reference point, but here it is that they're very, you know, it's kind of unspecific, and they're saying there's no COVID diagnosis, no underlying cause. So, we're, so what's going on with this? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, he he uh, steadfastly says that. And I'll show you the um, actual video. Um, I'm not going to play it, but um, oops, sorry. Uh, this is the um, actual video, and this is the actual um, actuary. Uh, I think his name is Stuart McDonald. Um, but you can find, I'll put the, you know, a copy of the link and put it in later, the great excess deaths mystery. And yeah, Stuart McDonald with Freddie Shares. Um, and I use the UK because they, they seem to be a little bit more forthcoming with their death, excess death data than we have been in the United States. I've been having a hard time finding it. Um, again, please educate and elucidate for me if you have um, uh, good uh, facts or factoids with which to share on this concept. Uh, so that's uh, one thing going on. You know, the possibility is, of course, which he discounts if you, let's see, um, if you look at the, I guess he had this uh, parsed out, uh, but, you know, he at our excess deaths result to lockdown um, is, um, is a, you know, is it a, 
he does not believe that COVID vaccines are the cause. Well, it's something. You know, why should there be excess death? Well, we're either miserable and we're, you know, not taking care of ourselves well. I think a lot of this has to be parsed out by age group and whatnot. Um, and it's you know, diseases of, of misery, despair, heroin, so forth. Um, but it looks to be that he has kind of just regular general illnesses. Um, and what's going on? I mean, I think a lot of them are in the cardiac basket. If you look closely here, these are all kind of cardiac-ish. The other the three of the top four, circulatory ischemic heart disease, heart failure, and so forth. And, and we, we know that even though it's a very small number, there is a, um, a possibility of um, higher, well, one of the, the one, it's, it's listed in the uh, pamphlet um, for um, uh, the coronavirus vaccine that myocarditis is one of the possible side effects. And it's rare, I think it's one out of 20,000 injections, but it is a higher uh, rate of, of problem than you would get from the flu shot, for instance. So I think it's about 25 times more dangerous than the flu shot. And, you know, I don't know how we can be so sure that none of these are uh, vaccine related when that's pretty much the only thing going around. We have the common cold, Omicron, and we have people who have been vaccinated far too many times for something for which, you know, there was really no rationale once you really got way beyond the second phase. And even then, it was probably very little rationale to use this ancestral version unless you were going to modernize the vaccine. So that gets me to a, a, a you know second point, which I guess I have uh, further up in my slideshow here, um, and I'm going to um, maybe put this up bigger. Um, so this is a, a point here. Um, you know we have um, excess deaths going on, and what's what's the cause of it? I mean, I nobody wants to say the V word, but we should at least consider. If we're being honest, we should at least consider it. Um, have COVID shots and policies save lives? So first of all, I want to express my gratitude. I'm, I borrowed this slide from Dr. Merrill Nass, whom I hope to have on a future episode and interview. She's an interesting woman, and she has her own story to tell. But uh, these are kind of uh, you know kind of generic slides she got from uh, Newsweek. In this case, uh, life expectancy has gone down, um, and uh, you know what's that about? And this this talks about the excess deaths in. Um, England and Wales, such as was mentioned in the uh, video. Um, there's an interesting slide here of the test work wire. Uh, anyway, I think you could go down, down this logical um, thing of the mask work, why the six feet of the six feet work, uh, why the you know the lockdown, uh, if all three of the above work, why the vaccine, if the vaccine works, why the no liability. Um, I, my actual question would be, uh, if in, it's a little simpler to this, but before there was a vaccine, why did we uh, stay away from any possible treatment. HIV has been only treatment, never vaccine. Uh, treatment is a possibility. I'm not guaranteeing any of the, the work, but I think we should have been have had the you know right to try. Uh, so here's getting on to the new bivalent boosters, uh, which have been approved um, with really I think zero human testing. And um, you know there, there's two aspects to this. There's basically there's two ingredients. Um, they include uh, they're bivalent, so they're including the ancestral version, and they're including um, the Omicron, latest Omicron subvariant. Uh, one is not dangerous. That's the Omicron is completely harmless, and the ancestral is completely ancestral. So there's really no point uh, doing this. So here are the contents, um, and there's discuss. You know, there's no data suggesting it will result in improved amount of dur duration or protection. Um, uh, these were tried in, in the BA4. 
the 0.45 has not been trialed in, tried in humans at all. That's the most recent version, the one that's out. And the other ones were tried in a few hundred. Uh, there's, you know, th this is not science. This is really marketing. And I think they have uh, some very effective marketing because, um, you know, the politicians have been very much on board lockstep with vaccination uh, above all. I don't think this is helpful. Uh, how do I know it's not helpful? I don't know it's not helpful. Um, but, you know, I think we can, you know, look around the world uh, for other possibilities. I'm going to give you one right here, uh, if I can scan around. Um, so this is Tanzania. So Tanzania is a big country. Uh, what's the population of Tanzania? Uh, I'm going to have a hard time telling you unless I go back here. Um, but I think it's about 60 million people or something like that. Uh, well, let's just kind of skip that, I guess. So Tanzania, um, T-A-N-Z. Uh, what is the population of Tanzania? <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, oh, I don't see it right here. Okay, so but let's just move on. Uh, and go back to where I was, I guess. Um, so I think it's about 60 million people, but take, you know, take it or leave it. So daily new cases in Tanzania, this is out throughout the, the pandemic. Uh, total deaths, uh, daily doom deaths. I mean, pretty much there's no COVID going on at all. So you could say, well, they're not testing. They're not, they're not monitoring. They don't have the hospitals and so forth. Um, I don't think that's the case um, because they get you know money and funds from the WHO like everybody else. Uh, they, they were politically aligned against uh, COVID right from the beginning. So they didn't buy into this narrative. A lot of countries, you know, are getting funds. A lot of poor countries are getting funds and they have to kind of say and act the way the WHO tells them to. They don't have to, but they do. Uh, but you can see here the total nullity of COVID in Tanzania. And so the total for the you know country is 845 and who knows if that's reliable either. So going back to, you know, 2021, uh, Tanzania shunned lockdowns. Now it is rejecting COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, so this is the Wall Street Journal and the Tanzan uh, Tanzanian president um, uh, rejected lockdowns and other social distancing measures and instead urged the country's 60 million, oh, so I wasn't wrong, um, citizens to pray in church, churches and mosques against a satanic virus. Um, so in May, when it had confirmed 509 Infections, the government stopped reporting cases of WHO. Okay, so maybe there's a little bit of that. Um, but they didn't have, you know, they didn't suffer. It's not like they, you know, it's not like they had visible problems and they didn't necessarily change. I think there's been uh, some uh, recent loosening up as far as the um, um, vaccine goes. I had an, uh, where was it? Um, I don't think I have it here. I apologize. But, um, you know, I think, at the, you know, f until very recently, they've had a very low rate of, of infection, um, excuse me, of vaccination. I think they're now up to in the 50s percent wise. But all through the first and second wave of, of COVID, they were down in the, you know, zero to uh, single digits or low um, teens percentage of, of coronavirus vaccination. And apparently they didn't really, you know, suffer um, uh, greatly from it. Uh, what is there to gain, gain from this? I don't know. Um, it could be, you know, a few different things. Uh, it could be, A, the population is, you know, younger, as in much of Africa. Yeah, I think Africa is the youngest demographic continent. Um, people had not been living as long. Uh, I think that's going to be changing over the next few decades. But so there are fewer elderly people. And this is really, you know, pretty much a disease of the elderly for morbidity and mortality. And they don't have the same numbers of, of elderly. 
Um, it could be they're not testing. It could be they don't want to give the numbers. And it could also be that uh, they had a lot more access to regular treatment because ivermectin is not disfavored in countries uh, you know, throughout the third world. And it's a common treatment for parasit parasitical uh, infections and uh, was allowed for COVID-19 possibilities. Uh, so places with ivermectin uh, freely given had lower uh, death rates, take it or leave it. I'm not saying there's cause and effect, but there is that. Um, so what else do we have on this? Um, doo -doo -doo. Uh, I guess this total side point, I was on, um, uh, I, I do a, a, a meeting with a group called pandata.org, and I recommend you go look at them and potentially contribute. Um, very worthy. They have been against lockdowns right from the beginning, and it's uh, an upward uphill battle. Um, hopefully, you know, the lessons we've learned from this last previous pandemic, we can apply to whatever comes down the road. And, and speaking of what coming down the road, just to kind of go back to my article, I'll come back to this one. Uh, what, what is coming down the road is, is the absence of getting rid of the emergency use authorization. This is kind of the major point of my article, that, that the booster um, is allowed to come to be when it really is doubly pointless. It's pointless for Omicron, which is a common cold, and it's pointless for the ancestor, which is long gone and not coming back. Uh, but uh, on, on what basis can they push through a vaccine that has not even been uh, tested? As we uh, mentioned in one of these slides here, there's no human testing for the most recent versions, and, and, and yet it's being put out. Well, the EUA is still in existence. And Rochelle Walensky, who's a native of town I live in, Newton, Massachusetts, uh, medical doctor, uh, she says they're keeping it just in case. I mean, just in case what? Uh, I don't know. But just in case is not a good thing. Um, you know, you have to declare victory and go home sometimes. You can't keep um, endless war against something where, you know, the, the, the combatant has disappeared. And the people are suffering under some of the burdens of the EUA. Uh, but the EUA is still there in a way to, to kind of sell inventory. Uh, in order to get the booster for a lot of places, I, I mean, I heard that you will need to be up to date, having quadruply injected with the ancestral before you're even allowed to get the booster one. I don't know who's going to make you get the booster, probably the military or something like that. Again, booster pointless in, in both aspects and to have these kind of like uh, measures at this point is, is, is silly. And the EUA allows it because uh, the, the vaccine is produced and allowed without the full standard testing uh, coordinated, needed, coordination needed, because there's an EUA. So it's kind of a chicken and egg game. Um, and I know viruses are kind of incubated, at least it used to be incubated in eggs, so no pun intended. But, um, you know, Omicron is not an emergency. Omicron is not an emergency. Omicron is not an emergency. Uh, it is no re There's an anc ancestral version. SARS-CoV-2 is long gone. Both of these are out of the picture, and there's no point for any new bivalent. But it's it's allowed, and it's brought to, to market much faster than it would be uh, because of this EUA. The EUA was a useful thing, uh, potentially, in 2020 when it was trotted out under oper Operation Warp Speed. And to deal with the ancestral version, fine. Okay, we can allow that, although they should not have, have forbade, you know, medication uh, and whatnot. Um, um, but, but now it, it needs to be gone. Uh, how do I know it needs to be gone? Well, because A, there's no point to it, and B, it allows the possibility of state uh, infringement on your rights, both individually and collectively. Our institutions have suffered. I think I mentioned um, I belong to a few different groups, and all of them, you know, civic groups and whatnot, have all suffered 
on uh, based on on diminished attendance during in the during lockdowns and diminished attendance afterwards as well people have become had more lassitude uh, less interest in doing things and this is reflected i think across the board and hopefully we'll be able to get off the mat we've had lower test scores for kids in schools um, we've had more drug use etc i've already mentioned all that anyway so i think I, I kind of was shocked about uh, this very educated crowd uh, was that on, on the side chat during one of the lectures um, everybody acknowledged that donald trump had made a mistake by by mentioning bleach as a possible treatment for COVID, he never said anything like this. Um, so this is a, a fact check, um, and I guess it was originally in Politifact. Um, and this is from Austin, which is you know kind of a, a blue city within red Texas. And and what he actually said uh, was, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically he was talking about um, you know ultraviolet light um, as a way of disinfecting the area around you and then you know possibility i guess like a bronchoscopy or you know a light in your mouth or whatever you know i don't know if you've ever seen these uh, things to kind of cleanse your teeth they use uv light um and to use something like that to disinfect your area it could be just your mouth or the area air, air that you're breathing sounds interesting so he continued and then i see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in one minute he's again he's only been talking about uv light there's no mention of bleach in any of these paragraphs here and so you're going to have, um, so, we, so we'll see, the whole, but the whole concept, concept of the light, the way it kills in one minute, that's pretty powerful. He's only ever talking about ultraviolet light. That's it. There's no injection and so forth. There's no bleach. And, and this is, you know, I just don't understand. This is in the debate, you know, President, now President Biden, maybe if you drank bleach, you may be okay. Uh, he, Joe Biden said on COVID-19, Donald Trump said that this. Uh, this is not mostly false. I don't see how they come away with mostly false, it's entirely false. And not only that, it's like the Sarah Palin seeing, you know, Russia from her, her house, whatever, um, in 2008. That was, that was uh, Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live. You know, Sarah Palin has her, you know, quirks and so forth, but she never said that. Donald Quirk, Donald Trump has his quirks, but he never said bleach. Uh, this is total mischaracterization, but it kind of gets incorporated. And this, again, was not a, a, a Donald Trump crowd. It wasn't a Biden crowd. It was just a crowd of, of uh, PhDs and um, and physicians and so forth. And, and people just understand this as fact. It's not fact. Um, anyway, so I only bring that to the conclusion because uh, the facts are out there and you can, you know, wear a mask uh, from now till, uh, you know, the heavens um, come, um, but there's really no point to it. Uh, so let, let's see, I did have a couple um, um, points here. Uh, one uh, re watcher says, I bet hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin are over the counter there uh, in, in Tanzania. Very, very likely. Um, and uh, uh, somebody says, uh, you know, just uh, take grandmother's advice and eat chicken noodle soup and let nature run its course. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, anyway, so uh, if you found this interesting, please uh, pass it around, uh, share. Um, I am going to go grab my book. I'll be right back in a second. I apologize for that. I should have one on hand, but I, I gave <laughs> I gave them away uh, last weekend. Um, so here's Overturning Zika. It's got, you see the name there? Um, this is about the, the last great pandemic. 
Uh, you have to buy it. Uh, if you buy it, I'll get money. <laughs> That's a great thing. I know you'll have less of it. I'll have more of it. Uh, I guess uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos will have a little bit as well. But I need you to buy the book. I need you to review it. So uh, please go to Amazon.com and buy whichever version you like. But if you buy it and then review it and hopefully give a good review, that'll be excellent because then I'll be able to sell more and uh, good things will happen because this uh, the subtitle, if you read it, is The Pandemic That Never Was. Uh, we spent try time trying to find the most ju judicious way of phrasing that. But overturning Zika is, is an interesting story. I'm going to read maybe read um, just the blurb. In 2015, in case you've forgotten what is, a viral pandemic exploded into the news, supported by breathless public health alarms. You might have heard this before. That the flavivirus Zika, for decades acknowledged as harmless, was suddenly responsible for con congenital microcephaly just small heads, diminished intellect. WHO-aligned experts recommended women forego childbirth. So we had our lockdowns, and they wanted to, to put a one, uh, a, you know, a lockdown on childbirth, basically. Massive panic predictably ensued. No human medical illness had ever been directly attributed to Zika. A near twin of dengue, which itself causes millions of South American bone break fever cases yearly, never with any associated microcephaly. Medical research professionals within Brazil treated the initial Zika and then the later microcephaly claims with skepticism, but they were twice overwhelmed by local scientists, prematurely media leaked and spiraled panics. It is shocking in retrospect to find literally zero Zika tests were performed and that microcephaly was neither firmly defined, defined nor previously counted in Brazil. Um, so what does this mean? Uh, well, you know, things can get out of control. People can say things and, 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 you know, Love means never having to say you're sorry. And apparently, um, you know, being in public health means very similarly. Uh, there should be apologies. There should be reformulations. There should be a public reckoning of Zika. And I recommend this, you know, your attention to it, because even though we're going and hopefully gone past the coronavirus one, uh, if we can point out that they are imperfect and they make mistakes, I, humans make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Uh, and and you'll, you'll, hopefully you'll tell me what they are. But you know, th this is a, a con kind of a consolidated whole pandemic that we can see from, from the perspective of time. And, um, you know, I, 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 the, 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 the book, and I have an article in the American Journal of Medicine, I think very thoroughly uh, debunk the whole premise of it. Um, that's the reason it's disappeared. Nobody has able, been able to say why it disappeared. They have all these various theories that it's a new variant or the old variant with this, people are all of a sudden immune, whatever it is. But they don't have the, the right answer, which is, you know what, the thing uh, that you thought it was, wasn't. And that's okay. People make mistakes and they get in a panic and a frenzy. But afterwards, you have to say the right answer. And, and I'll give you one other quick example, which is, you know, possibly why people don't ever give the right answers, uh, even when they know it. Um, in 2004, Dr. Fauci uh, was on record um, I think he was talking about H1N1 or something like that, um, saying, he was in an interview, you know, most, the most important, best immunity is, is natural immunity. If you've had the virus, there's no reason to get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, where did that go? Why is that out the window? And if you, if you fact check that, you can almost never see the actual video. They have to hunt and hunt and hunt. It's all kind of uh, meta aspects embedded in people trying to explain it away that he didn't mean that it means something different uh, in our context now. Uh, and even, you know, Wikipedia and so forth have changed the, the definitional terms of, of, um, of uh, natural immunity to 
include vaccines and so forth. Anyway, uh, I'm going to call it a day on this, but I hope uh, you pay attention. Uh, spread the word. Buy my book. Um, I'll returning Zika. can never say it too many times. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. And I have a Brazilian version coming out now. If you know people in Brazil who might be interested in this and or can review it, I have uh, the Brazilian page up as well, and they can promote it uh, there. So that's it for a day. Uh, for today, uh, please, um, uh, you know, comment early and often, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.